0: Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level BizTech. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, and this is the Next Level BizTech podcast. So today we are actually wrapping up uh, the first series in season two, and we're talking about managed services, and how we're solving this tech talent issue that we've got going on with security and the broader technology landscape. So if you tuned in on the first episode, you heard uh, Jason Stein, and he talked about what Talaris is doing overall from the practice and how we go to market and what we're seeing and the trends and things like that. Um, And then we had one of our great suppliers on where, where Thrive came on and talked about all the things from a technical perspective, their products, where they're fitting, how they go to market with those, differentiators, all that good stuff. But today we get to hear from what I think is is really critical. We get to hear from the partners' perspective. So I got some good friends of mine. We've been spending a lot of time together lately. We got Brandon Ivy and Christoph Uleg from Evoke Technologies. Gents, Brandon, welcome. Thanks for having us, Josh. It's really great to be here. All right, so, so let's kick this off. Um, Brandon, I'm going to come to you first here. I, I, you know, part of my favorite story is how do you how do you get started? Everybody has a different path. Some people super linear, some people do crazy windy stuff and end up in this world. Uh, I'm curious to hear how you guys got started in this.
1: Absolutely. Um, So it's kind of interesting. I think Kristoff and I both have similar backgrounds and kind of uh, went through similar trials and tribulations, if you will, through our career path. Um, We both started out in entry-level sales jobs coming out of college worked up the corporate ladder, led sales teams, became, you know, directors or VPs and led uh, led overall go-to-market strategies and, and new logo acquisition sales. And, uh, you know, interesting enough, neither one of us really wanted to be in management roles any longer. And uh, we found ourselves starting at a cloud company on the same day in the same role. Um, and uh, what was interesting enough for, for, at least from my perspective, is that uh, you know, we kind of hit it off from the get-go. I think Christoph may have had a, a difference of opinion, but he was like, hey, I want to be aligned with that guy. He seems competitive. And uh, we fed off of that. And uh, so what we did to begin with was uh, we started interviewing all of the top reps at the organization, um, trying to figure out what was the secret sauce to be successful, right? Um, and long story short, most of them didn't have a lot of positive feedback. It was you know, if you got lucky enough to be tagged to that right account that was growing, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then you had some success. So we kind of stumbled and went through some some different challenges the first few months at that cloud company. and uh, And then we realized we needed a force multiplier. And I had some little exposure to what the channel ecosystem was, more from a more from a competitive standpoint, based on where I was when I was leading a sales team, there was a a channel and and so we introduced that. We started working with some regional players um, and we started integrating that into our go-to-market strategy. And effectively after six months at the cloud company, we took it to uh, the executive team and the board and said, hey, I think this is what we need to do. We partnered, um, Christoph and I effectively partnered. We created our own business model within a business, if you will. Uh, and I think that's what to, what's kind of allowed us to have the success that
0: we're having coming up the,
1: or at least kicking off this this new venture uh, two and a half years ago.
0: Love it, Christoph. Any uh, any interesting door to door experience? Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 a vacuum guy. I don't, I don't know if you guys have you know. No, I, I always
2: I think you know me too. I think we talked earlier, and uh, you teed that one right up. But no, like. Just like Brandon, I think, you know, we were willing to do what we we needed to, to, you know, learn the art of hard work and creativity. Yeah, we've both had, you know, plenty of door-to-door opportunities um, to to really grind. We've had some really unique creative opportunities in our career to that took some critical thinking. But, you know, all of that led up to the fact that I think sales and just working with people was like really important to us we wanted to help people solve problems and you know i know we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about our about our business in a bit but i think being so integrated into sales gave us a unique perspective to help us be more effective for our customers today from a procurement and buying standpoint i often say i think the best defense lawyers once were prosecutors and vice versa um Understanding, you know, the intricacies of the other side, you know, really, really well allows us to, I think, serve our customers a lot more effectively. But um, yeah, I mean, to Brandon's point, when we when we got to this cloud provider, um, us realizing the power of the channel um, and really what that force multiplier could do was, you know, a game changer. It was like an aha moment for me, for sure, because I had had zero exposure to the channel. And when we looked and we interviewed these um, you know, previous sales reps for best practices and what's replicable and what can we do uh, to be successful here, uh, the reality was they weren't closing new logos. They weren't getting in front of new, new companies. And you know the channel gave Brandon and I that opportunity. That company
1: is a channel first company now, by the way. So clearly the strategy
2: works.
0: I may be biased, but I, I think this is where the industry is going. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though. I mean, it is funny as long as we've been doing this, and as long as tolaris has been in existence, it's still fascinating to me how many people are just not familiar with the channel yet. And obviously, we're all seeing the the convergence of doing away with some of the direct sales and moving more headcount over to channel and supporting channel. But you know, just when we think it's it's been in existence for a while, it's still if you zoom out, it's still so early in some instances. I think a lot of
1: that's too with uh, the there's been a lot of focus on specific technologies over time. So just the simple fact that we're discussing, you know, MSP or MSSPs today, you know, that's kind of broadening out that scope. Right. So, you know, I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger, like you mentioned.
0: All right. So we, we're talking about your business now. Um, Tell everybody, fill us in, you guys have a cool go-to-market model and I love some of the focuses that you have on the technology side, but, but let everybody know what, what is evoke? Sure. Well,
1: first of all, Evoke stands for enable, validate, optimize knowledge transfer. And just like mentioned, uh, mentioned that Christoph just mentioned, essentially we wanted to take what we thought were how would a customer want to procure things? How would they want to run a process? How would they want to evaluate the market? How would they essentially want to ensure that they have a consistent buying experience that's productive and mitigates bad customer experiences coming up the back end? So we took those kind of four. Uh, terms, if you will, layered that into what we thought would be the right customer engagement. We kind of trialed that, if you will, with a few, you know, anchor tenants, found out it was productive. Uh, and then we've replicated that now over the past uh, three years. But, um, you know, who who we are essentially, like Kristoff mentioned, is we did a lot of time in sales. And the last thing we want to do is uh, be a sales rep. our individual clients we we have really formed relationships with them now to be an extension of the team to provide all that intellectual property to them that allows them to realize oh hey there is a better way of doing this or potentially they're just getting exposure to a provider that they would have never even looked at because it's not in gartner or that doesn't come up on an seo search or whatever it might be and i think that started to change that dynamic of like oh this is interesting or this is advantage or potentially this is just providing more value than what we were doing or how are we were doing it in the past. Um, so, yeah, but we founded it three years ago. It's been going strong with groups like Teleris supporting us and, you know, enabling us. Um, we've seen a lot of success and our clients have, you know, they're like, when can we be a, you know, a reference? How, how can we, you know, help scale your business? What does this look like? And, you know, that's very rewarding. And it's something that, you know, most salespeople probably don't get to experience in that similar role, right? So, uh, yeah, it's been great. Good
0: point. So, so let's switch gears here. I want to talk about, you know, first, Christoph, how you learned about this technology, and then really maybe just let's weave that into the first deal. We're going to get to a more recent deal as we move this on and kind of into the weeds and, sure. and the intricacies of it, but but talk to me about, you know, when you're, was it when you're at that cloud company, was it before that? I mean, what's your first exposure to this whole managed services landscape and talk to me about just that first deal, what was that like?
2: So I would say, you know, our experience working at hosting gave us immense insight into managed services in general, and just understanding the criticality of what that offering ultimately does. Um, you know, both both from a provider perspective, but also more importantly, from a customer's perspective. But, you know, back in, I don't know, call it 2012, 2011, 2012, you started seeing a massive shift from on-prem to the cloud, right? Like people realizing, hey, AWS is something, Azure is something, private cloud, and getting this out of our facility and into a data center that's redundant and supported i mean it's something we need to to move towards but not a lot of people knew how to do it and you know we started uh we started meeting with just tons of customers that wanted help with that journey they wanted ideas they wanted a roadmap. they wanted to figure out how do we how do we take this on-prem you know and move this into the cloud and how can we you know get some of these mundane tasks of call it monitoring and patch management and antivirus and performing backups and the day-to-day care and feeding of the environment. How do we get this off our plate and free us up to focus on the core competencies of our business and, you know, what's really driving our company forward? Um, And then secondly, how, how do we solve things like database management and database architecture and security services and some of the stuff that frankly they couldn't even find people you know to to fill those roles and and so you have a system administrator that's potentially getting paid 100k a year patching servers you know 75% of his time and then the other 25% of his time moonlighting as like a security analyst or you know a database administrator it it just wasn't scalable so i think when companies started realizing hey, we need to get this stuff off-prem and we need to more importantly find a partner to co-manage this so we can create a RACI matrix that's clearly defined, hey, we want to continue to do these things at the application layer, but from the OS down, let's pass this off to a partner that we can depend on that can build a highly redundant, highly manageable, scalable uh, infrastructure. And I think that's really when you know, we, we first got exposure and it was just coming by the waves and it hasn't stopped today, by the way, companies are still, you know, we'll get into it. I'm sure a little bit later, but they're still looking for this more than ever. Um, And then when I shift into kind of thinking about, you know, call it first deal, I won't, I won't probably get into the first deal, but I'll tell you about a, a deal that I think is super applicable to, to this conversation. So we're working, and this is you know, as evoke. Um, this was post our days at hosting, and uh, we're working with a large uh, university here in Colorado that um, you know unfortunately they were they were ransomware uh, about four years ago. Um, they ended up paying the ransom. You know it was a really tough situation for them. And you know, they looked at the problem and and said, gosh, you know we need to we need to figure out a solution to to help us help make us more secure. And what they did, you know, for better or for worse, um, they started throwing technology at the problem. Right. You know, they started looking at EDR solutions and ultimately they they uh, they selected Carbon Black. Um, they looked at, you know, different high-profile high, uh, high profile security partners like Palo Alto and they put, really you know, architected their entire environment for Palo. They incorporated, you know, email filtering. But what they didn't really count on was, the noise that all of those tools are gonna create. And those tools are great. They're great tools, um, but you can't solve issues necessarily just with tools. What you need is services, right? And they had 2,500 endpoints. They had over 600 uh, lab workstations across the university. They had over 200 VMs within their environment. And like I said, they were just getting noise, but really I think what they figured out after just you know, years of trying to solve this with, you know, patching tools and and technology into the problem, they realized we need a SIM, we need a security operations center that's staffed 24-7, that has multiple shifts, that's constantly looking at our logs, constantly looking at our alerts, and we need, you know, a true MDR solution. We need, and the R of that, you know, managed detection and response being the most critical aspect. We need a partner that it can actually react on our behalf, can quarantine the environment, can be an extension of our team. By the way, I didn't mention it, but this university had one security, uh, officer. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody. So he's getting alert overload, alert fatigue. His, he hadn't looked at the alerts in, you know, over a year just because it was just piling into his email. So for us to go out and really, you know, find a partner, um, help run a competitive process that, you know, not only did he get insight into what's available in the market, but, you know, by our process, I think he was able to make the right decision for his organization uh, to really bring in a group that could act as an extension of his team and help deliver, you know, on his on his behalf. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, um, the other thing that I want to comment on is, you know, there's providers that exist out in the market today that have great technology and they may struggle on services. They may be having service related issues and that technology is only as good as the services behind it. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the best in the world, upper right corner of magic from a technology standpoint, unless the service and methodology and approach is sound, it really means nothing.
0: So. Yeah, So you, you brought up a couple of good points in there. I want to go back to you. I'm curious, you know, we always talk about, and I, I try to determine, are we in the middle of paradigm shifts? Did the paradigm shift already happen, right? In hindsight, we we all, you know, we we can see a little clearer when some of these things happened, you know, when the bull market started, when the bear market started, all of that. But if you think back to the hosting days and kind of that, let's call it 08, 09, 10, 11 timeframe. So you've got this, you know, AWS launching major product, right? 06, 07, kind of in that era. You've got the economic collapse of when people went, wait a minute, I used to buy all this stuff. I used to CapEx outlay it. Now I'm a little leery on that. You know, and, and you know, there's the whole when AWS comes out, now this is just for dev. It's never going to make it to prod. I mean, this is not the same uptime I can get in a data center. And don't get me wrong. There's places for gear in data center. I'm not not disputing that. But I'm just kind of curious, is that... Is that about that time where you really felt that wave of when things shifted and people started really taking this seriously and said, yeah, we got to look at this. We got to look at it. And it's just that inevitable wave that hasn't stopped. Did it it start around that time as well for you? I
2: I would say so um, to a large extent. You know, and cloud back in those days is kind of like what security is today. People use these blanket terms, security. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, let's unpack that. There's a ton of ways you can go about you know, talking around security. And the same thing held true for cloud, I think, back then. They they broadly said cloud. Uh, of course, there's the concept of private cloud, there's on-prem, there's public cloud, meaning multi-tenant within a provider, and then there's true public cloud with the likes of Azure, AWS, and, and Google. But I think a lot of people back then felt this unbelievable pressure to go to the hyperscalers, right? To go look at AWS, to go into Azure, because that was the flashy lights. those yeah. were the things that were in the news. That was what the trades were saying, the, bec- the the next big wave is. And it's not wrong for for certain applications. If you're that's why startups are were perfect for AWS and, yeah. and Azure and that because they actually architected their applications in the hyperscaler cloud and largely to a certain extent for the scalability of those. But you know what we saw was a mad rush, to AWS and Azure, and then a pullback, you know, yeah. back into, you know, private cloud and and realizing like, look, DevOps may not be for everybody. It, it may, you know, there's applications that are fairly predictable and have static workloads that still need, you know, a certain amount of, you know, managed services and support, but, you know, not everything needs, you know, there's not one size fits all um, for all of those environments. But I, I would say, you know, it was about that time to your point that, know we really started having those conversations and seeing that shift yeah good point i was gonna
1: say yeah i mean i think economic pressure always plays a role in a lot of technology transformations across uh, enterprises i mean even now we see large enterprises looking to go to more back to the old school approach of bare metal services right like there's a lot of different use cases for that i mean i don't know if that'll be widely adopted but There's supply chain issues and economic pressures. So, you know, those two things are driving a behavior, just like in cybersecurity, we have insurance policies and rates going up. It's driving a behavior. It's having specific impact. Back then, it was co-location, CapEx expenses, transitioning to an OpEx, focusing on EBITDA. You know, all of those different things play into what enterprises make as decisions, right? And so I think as long as we're staying on top of those market trends and understanding what's taking place, not only in the technology spectrum, but holistically, uh, you know, that helps ensure
0: that customers make better decisions. Yeah. Good point. So I want to talk about relationships. Um, you know, we, we, you know, as we look at this, right, all, all of our partners have uh, started out in different places, in different skill sets, in different technologies, some started in cloud and then went to network. Some started in network and then went into, you know, all the other things. So I'm, I'm always kind of curious. I mean, you guys kind of brought it up a little bit earlier, but maybe, uh, Christoph, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, you know, when you start having these strategic conversations, when the wall is down, right. When, when the customer really feels like you're an extension of their team, what what does that do for the relationship with the customer when you're, when you're covering all these things?
2: So I think it's critical. Um, And, you know, Brandon and I have been very passionate about uh, this topic for for a long time. You know, we truly believe that if you go solve the mission critical objectives for an organization, or you help solve, you know, a bridge towards securing applications, keeping applications available, um, helping with, you know, the great resignation is a real thing. People are leaving companies. People are having a hard time finding people. People are having a hard time keeping people, you go solve mission-critical objectives for organizations, you get everything, right? Like the floodgates open, you gain their trust, you gain almost everything that you could possibly want out of that relationship. So, you know, we typically are passionate about wanting to focus on the cloud and security piece of the business as a primary objective. It's always something that, you know, we get into with, with customers is, tell me about your team. Tell me about your skill sets. Tell me about, you know, what you guys are trying to accomplish. Tell me about the gaps that you may have across your organization. And as we start to understand, like, where is their pain coming from? Where are they looking to improve organizationally? Um, and we can start helping to identify areas and unbelievable providers that can come in as an extension. It it truly does help secure and and build that relationship. But it's not a it's not a one deal closed type of situation. Uh-huh. Um, but the reality for a lot of these companies is, you know, the days of going to like an IBM and expecting to get everything under one roof are is dead. Like instead, you know, there's laser focused, really good providers that exist out in the market today that are really good at one or two things. And it's important for Brandon and I to know who those guys are. And being able to partner with a with a company like Tolaris and you know your great engineering team, it, it, it's just been hugely advantageous to us because we can get insight into okay what are these other hundred customers across the U.S. experiencing from these providers? Have they have they been happy ending? Have they been happy stories? Have they been, you know, hey, they said all the right things at the beginning throughout the sales process, but then, you know, it was a disaster. You know, once we got into the door. That's hugely important for Brandon and I to know what we're getting our customers into. It's just like when I go, it's not a perfect analogy, but when I go car shopping, you know, every three, four years, it's unbelievable the technology that has changed, you know, and is available. I don't know. So I have to really just rely on the sales guy who's who's telling me that. And that's not necessarily fair. So to have a guy that's all they're doing is is analyzing the industry and the market and ranking and, and scoring providers, it's super important for us to give that same insight to a CIO who also doesn't have the time over more than three or four or five years of analyzing what's new, what's different, what should I be aware of? So um, yeah, relationships are huge, but most importantly, it's you know solving those mission critical issues, I think gains that trust uh, immensely.
0: Good point. Um, Brandon, I want to I come back to you I want to talk about challenges uh, you know uh, i think we're, we're we're painting a really good picture here of there's a lot of value that we add right when when we come in when you guys come in and you know you, you're helping the cio build something build something build something and then this cio might bounce and the company loses him you know you got great value in that from you've helped him you've helped establish yourself at the last company now he's leaning on you going what's the new latest what's the greatest tech that i should know uh, so certainly like these these things take time Uh, to grow and to grow some of these relationships. I'm curious with what you've been through from a challenges perspective, what are the difficult parts of these conversations?
1: So we've gone through that. I'm sure, you know, most people have where the CIO or the executive IT person leaves, or you just end up having to get, go work with another individual. So potentially put in all that effort. Um, You know, one thing that we've realized is you learn the most about an organization by running a process. Uh, and so that's probably the most challenging thing, especially if someone new steps in. So I'll, I'll take that as a secondary part of kind of like what are the challenges that we see, right? So I think the biggest challenge, especially if you're focusing on mission critical workloads or uh, whatever is probably the most pertinent or complex to the business, um, is at, actually establishing what do they have in place today? You know, usually it's a barrage of things over the last decade, that maybe somebody's still just paying a bill, um, et cetera. So you have to establish that baseline, understand the expectations and needs of what's going forward, and then being able to provide some thought leadership around all of that. You know, that's a that's a very challenging process, right? And especially depending on if you have a non-technical executive, that can make it more challenging. If you have somebody who inherited just a number of different things, now you're picking through, you know, it's like uh, you know, you're, you're you're just having to to dive so deep into something that potentially they don't have access to, they don't have information from, and then it leans into the providers, right? So now where we have to take it a step farther, and a lot of times those groups don't have, you know, run books set up, they don't have any kind of scripts put into place, they don't have any kind of, um, you know, diagrams or visios or or architecture references or security references, anything, right? It's just Essentially, they were sold a product at some point. It's been potentially implemented. They're paying a bill. And now it's you know it can be our job to figure out, well, we need to make sure that we check that box because you're either using it, not using it, or how is it applicable to the business, right? Um, and that's where when you start trying to wrap that back into thought leadership and providing, okay, well, we need to go down that path and leaning on the different engineers across Tolaris or the providers or whatever it may look like to come up with a holistic solution that actually solves Everything that they have, if they need it, in addition to what's needed or expected, and then providing like, well, maybe we can consolidate or refine or evolve all of those things into the next level of, you know, where market trends are going or what's taking place in, in an overall environment. And I, that's that's by far the biggest challenge. I mean, you know, I think everybody probably experiences that. And, uh, you know, that kind of leans back into the relationship piece that we just discussed where... If you run that process with someone and you come out the back end where they're like, "Thank you," then you know you did your job, right? And you're probably going to get another opportunity, and that's our whole objective is we want to do our very best because then they're going to give us that next opportunity. If we do that, we get the next project, we get the next opportunity. If they move to another business, we get to follow them there. Um, and so that's been it's been very uh, rewarding from that perspective.
0: You know, uh, it, it's funny. We talked in the beginning about this whole channel thing, where we feel like we've been doing it a while. But it, it, you know, you bring up a good point that reminds me that I think the last people to really hear about and understand this channel are the customers. Well, they don't care, right? Why would they? Uh, and and but once they understand it, it's wow, I didn't know this existed, and this is amazing. Please help me. So it's been it's been really cool to your point to see a lot of these go from. Hey, I don't know who you are. I think I'm pretty cool working some of these, you know, these technologies myself. I don't really understand quite where you can help me, you know, are you a middleman? And when they take that to, you know, to your point, let us run a process, let us help you with some of these mission critical workloads and applications, thinking through things that they hadn't thought through. There are sometimes those those aha moments of you take it from I didn't need you to i can't live without you please look at this next project that we have coming in six months 12 months three, you know i've seen three four years out some of these crazy things and that that to your point that's that's the aha moment i think when you know um that that you're looped into that process that's the that's the click factor but sometimes it just, it, it takes time and you know in these enterprise deals too i think we talked about getting flat-footed when some of these these cios or whatever leave it just underscores geez, now I got to know procurement. Now I got to know tech. Now I got to know business leader. I, you you're just constantly trying to make sure that you know all the right people in the account. And yeah, to your point, it just takes time.
1: You summed up exactly what we just discussed, right? I mean, I think uh, we have a very large client here in Denver. So I think eight or 9,000 employees. And um, it was that exact same process, right? It was, uh, you know, I don't really understand it or what it you know, what value is this really going to bring? And essentially we just said, let us run our process. And if you see value at the end of it, fantastic. And if you don't, you know, we'll part ways.
0: And <laughs> I love, you know, I love the takeaway approach. Uh, that's like, you know, it's one of my favorites. Cause it's just, here, here it is. Let's look, we're so confident that this is going to work. If it doesn't. All good.
1: We've had other
0: organizations. They realize
1: how much time, effort, um, data, things that we bring to the table that, they paid us for these engagements, right? Um, so there is real value. There is, uh, you know, a real model here. And I do think that the more that you run strategic processes and not just a, you know, a transactional, like Christoph said, it's not just, you're not just going and selling something and then moving on to the next new logo, right? We're, we truly are getting entrenched into that organization and becoming an extension of their team,
0: so. So let's talk, uh, Brandon, let's talk an example here. Uh, sure. I, what I like to, to get into this part of it really is, let's talk about, uh, you know, what kind of environment you walked into. And what I really like to hear is, was it really what you were told it would be or what you thought it would be when you really got into it? What did you find? What was the problem? What was the technology? And then ultimately, what was the problem that you solved? How did you do it? What kind of tech did you put in? And, you know, what was the outcome of all that?
1: Sure. Um, well, we can talk about. Let, let's. See.
0: Here's a good example. We talk
1: about relationships, things of that nature. Uh, I had a, a really good friend who uh, I went to CrossFit with. You know, he was in IT. Never worked with him when he was in IT, and I was on the the sales side. Uh, when he landed as the CEO, as a COO at this new organization, you know, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, this is what I'm doing," and he kind of had the same layer conversation, like. You know, I've worked with guys like you before, or, you know, I've worked with a, you know, a big bar or something of that nature. And I was like, let's just run a process. Let's do some evaluations. Let's see if it proves out value. If it doesn't, you know, we'll go from there. Um, So he made an introduction to the director of IT, who is essentially the person that I needed to work with. Um, Once we got into it, he was very apprehensive as well. He was like, well, why do we need to evaluate these things? I already did this two years ago, and we found all these different problems, right? And so, like Christoph mentioned earlier, we start at the cloud and cybersecurity. Uh, that's kind of where we start. This is where our focus is. First of all, it differentiates us in the market. Second of all, I don't think a lot of people are kind of leading with those conversations. And uh, and so he said, "That's fine. Like we could go through this exercise." I mean, I think he thought he already had this buttoned up, right? Um, so they were in colo. They're a SaaS company. They've had, you know. They had outages. They had security vulnerabilities. They have a small IT team. They essentially have no care and feeding of that environment. Or if they do, they're focusing a big portion of their time during that time on it when they can't focus on growing the SaaS company. Right. Um, There's just a plethora of challenges that they were seeing. Uh, And then cost was a big factor and essentially because he went out to market and he doesn't know what fair market values are. And a lot of the times when you get that first quote, or depending on what provider you go to, or what specifically, if you didn't establish that baseline really well, like you can't just go get a snapshot of vCenter and take it out to market. That's not a good process, right? Um, so once we kind of peeled back the onion and we understood all the different dynamics that go into it, uh, you know, we said, okay, well, I think you can definitely drive this to more of a private cloud environment are more cost uh economic from that perspective than going to a public cloud um, plus you need an extension of your team be it based on your team size and all these things and so we started extrapolating that and figuring out which workloads need to be highly available have dr associated with them because of different compliance agreements and things that are in place um, so they still kept something in colo actually they have one or two racks now from what they currently had, but they moved the other 89 servers into a cloud environment and started leveraging a main service provider. Um, that's part of the Toleris ecosystem. They're a phenomenal group. We've had great success with them. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's very transfer- transformational from a couple things, at least from an executive perspective. Now they don't have reputation. Some of their clients are very large clients, you know, household names, if you will. So no more outages, right? They're highly available. It's transformed their reputation from that perspective. They've actually layered on that some of their talk tracks about how this technology enables their end clients, right? So they sell a SaaS platform. It's a POS. Their consumers are buying it. This is how you can scale. This is how we can make the overall buying experience for your clients better, right? So, you know, all of these things have truly transitioned their business from IT being a cost center to IT providing value to their overall organization and their in clients, right? Um, so I would say that's where we get excited about transformational. Usually it's not flipping, you know, from one sin to a, a different sin. That's not usually a transformational yeah. change. It's how is it enabling or driving that business forward? Um, and there's a lot of other use cases uh, or applicable things that probably came out of that deal. But I would say that's a good high level. Christoph, were you going to mention something?
2: No, uh, nothing other than, you know, I think that was a really good example of, you know, a small IT team that needed help, needed direction, needed Brandon's guidance. Um, You know, they hadn't gone out to market and looked at this for years. And so, you know, having Brandon as an extension, I think it was eye-opening around what has evolved in the market, what's available to them. And uh, yeah, it was just a really fun project to,
0: to see and be a part of. It is. It is always interesting when you You know, we, we, from an engineering perspective, we, we always go in and say, what do you need? What do you need it to do? What's the problem that it needs to solve? And then when we ask that question of, okay, but if you could do this, if you could evolve your application, if you could go do this, your, your, your competitors are doing this. If you could do something like that, or, or, you know, have a leg up, would that be game changing for you? And, and I think you get them to think differently because sometimes they just think, ah, I'm just never going to get to that or oh, I don't know that it's possible or to your point, you know, we looked at it two years ago and it wasn't possible. How much changes in this industry in two years, right? Yep. With all of the tech and everything flooding into here. So yeah, I love, I love hearing a good transformational story because yeah, you're, you, you brought it up and uh, you nailed it where IT is not a cost center, right? IT has the power to change the business and and change the, change the company. So awesome story. Yep. All right. Uh Christoph, I need you to wrap us up, take us home, man. Um, I I want to hear, you know, if I'm a partner that's listening to this, and maybe I haven't I haven't ventured as deep into cloud or into security. And we talked about kind of where you started. We talked about some of the difficulties that you guys have been through in these conversations, but maybe just talk to me about people that aren't aren't comfortable with this or haven't stepped into it. What's your advice? What what are you recommending in that, right? Because not not just for now, but as this continues to evolve in the future?
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I'd take a step back and and come to the realization that this isn't that complicated, right? Like, don't get too caught up in the technology. Don't learn about every single EDR solution or every single cloud solution or every single infrastructure solution. Just have conversations with the business team and leaders within an organization. Get to know their team, get to know... I said this earlier, but I mean, I think it's a super important point. Get to know what are the skill sets? How big is the team? You know where are the gaps that you have, whether it's infrastructure, security, network, um, you know, database. It doesn't matter. Just get to know like where are the gaps. I mentioned it earlier, but this idea of the great resignation, this thing is real. Like people are struggling to find people, and you know where most of these people all are? They're at providers. And they're at providers because they're super smart. Not that, you know, the people down in the trenches aren't, but they're really good, uh, highly skilled professionals that want to work with hundreds of different customers and have unique challenges every single day to solve. They're not working for one company. And because those guys are typically getting kind of bored. Um, And so get to know the company, get to know their challenges, uh, understand you know, what are they looking to accomplish? Where are they looking to go? What are their core competencies? And how can you bring solutions and ideas to the table that free them up to focus on those core competencies? Um, you know, that's really that's really it. Talk about the business. Get to know what their ideal outcomes are and uh, generally positive, good opportunities uh, of ways that you can assist, you know, come right out of that. And lastly, I'm preaching to the choir, but lean into tolaris right? Like get to know the team, get to know the channel managers, get to know the engineering team. You know, we greatly appreciate the support that, you know, you folks have brought to us uh, as an extension of our team. Um, you know, we can't be experts on every single technology. We can't be experts on every single conversation. Um, and just knowing that, you know, we can bounce ideas off you. You don't even have to be on every customer call or any customer calls for that matter, but just being a soundboard to us, um, as we work through just different, you know, talk tracks internally, um, you know, we just want to say we're grateful to, you know, you and your team, Josh, you guys have been great. And, uh, and yeah, that's my very basic advice for somebody to just dive in.
0: I love it. I love it. You, you you brought up a good point. I was reading a stat last night uh, that, that makes this a math problem, right? The, the title of this podcast is how in the world are, are we going to ever solve for this whole talent shortage in tech and, the, you know, it was starting before the great resignation. Now it's just gotten ultimately so much worse, but from a security perspective, right? We, we talk about the great security certification, the CISSP of, 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 it gives us a great holistic view on how security impacts the business, not just technology. Mm-hmm. And it focuses on all these different domains. There are roughly 90 to a hundred thousand certified CISSP's uh, in the United States and there are twenty to thirty thousand job openings that require a CISSP. Now I'm not a math expert here, but to your point, where that talent is, we know where that talent is, and it's at that supplier side. So yeah, you're you guys are you guys are dead on. I think you guys are out there. You're crushing it. Recognizing that this is where the talent is, uh, and and you guys have done a phenomenal job of mapping all that. And appreciate the kind words. Just appreciate the opportunity to to work with you guys so uh no it's it, it's been awesome and we're excited to to continue with this go. so christoph i i appreciate you bringing us home and thanks so much for coming on today man
2: josh thanks for having us we had a great time and uh, look forward to doing this again in the future
0: brandon you as well appreciate you coming on thanks i know you guys got a lot going on so uh thanks again for spending time with me man hey josh okay all right everybody that wraps us up i'm your host josh lopresto svp of sales engineering at talaris and this is next level biz tech Level BizTech has been a production
2: of Toleras Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.